1: So I'm Aaron Carpenter with Legendary Lion and mental health marketing. I opened my doors to my creative agency in 2011, but I worked for a couple of other firms specifically in the arena of SEO before that and for Joomla development support. I'm a full stack designer and developer. Everybody on my team is, and we just love tinkering on the web on the weekends. You'll find me tinkering on some new piece of code or framework or something like that, because uh, that's. What I love to do.
0: Fun. I have more of a design background myself, but I do love kind of getting into the code and figuring that all up until a certain point. And then I kind of get to a point where I'm like, Okay, I'm 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 done here. Like this is getting, you know, where I need my team to come in and help with that. But I do think there's some serious value in working with people who actually know how a website works and what's required of it, what is going to be a challenge, what's going to not work necessarily on a website from their own understanding of being able to get in there and and do it. And not just like, oh, I've seen a website once. All right. So today we are going to talk about website growth because this is the topic that basically everybody's looking for. I mean, not just necessarily website growth, but growth in general. But we're going to hone in on websites specifically and talk about how you can kind of create a system to support your growth and make sure that you're on track and measure it and do all those good things that are important with websites and marketing and your firm and making sure that things are going the right way. So let's start with talking about growth in general. How do you break it down? How do you get started?
1: Yeah, so usually when we're working with clients, we try to figure out what is the lifetime value of a client. So on average, you know, what does a, a case make for you? And then we're trying to figure out profit margins so that we can get a sense of, okay, well, if we're going to be building this site or running this campaign, if we can assume some reasonable conservative numbers of how many people are going to go to your site and then actually fill out your contact form, are we going to be making you money with the people that we're bringing you? And so that's usually where we start. And it's kind of nice to start there because any business owner can wrap their head around, oh, okay, sure. So at the end of the day, this is a business. You're bringing me people who want to buy my products or services. This is what it's worth to me. So this is what it's worth to spend to get that essentially.
0: Okay, so that's a good formula to kind of start with. Like, okay, if I'm gonna try to calculate how much I should be spending, and I know that you've got this great calculator on your website about marketing budgets, and and I have one as well, it's slightly different. It's more in terms of looking at big picture, all the marketing pieces, but either we will link to yours and either take a look at, at Aaron's or mine, and it's a really good place to wrap your head around if this is how much revenue your firm is making and this is how much a client costs and it kind of calculates all that stuff where should your marketing budget be and what do you find i mean i know what what i typically find people's expectations and like the difference between people's expectations and what they're actually spending what do you find
1: i find that when i walk clients through pricing there tends to be this idea of sticker shock that always happens. And so a couple of things that I would say right away to that is number one, you always wanna go, you're, you're better off if you go with a professional that specializes in your industry. Just, just by doing that, you're already gonna be in a space where the person more understands your industry, knows how to bring value to that through their trade. So for instance, we tend to focus on mental health, mental health marketing and therapists, um, psychologists, that type of market. I know what that industry is doing and I know how they can grow their practice from like a solo position to a small group practice, to a group practice with multiple locations. I do have clients in other spaces because I run a creative agency. So sometimes I take other projects and I have some attorney clients as well, but I don't know what's going on in that industry probably as well as you do. And so that's the first thing I would say is find a professional you can work with that really knows what's going on there.
0: Yeah. What are I'm going to interrupt real quick, because what are I, I know I have the same conversation all the time, like why, you know, my nephew has a creative agency and they just kind of work broadly and generally, and it's kind of like, you know, a general practice attorney or a general practice, medical doctor or whatever. What do you say when people ask you what what's the benefits or actually more specifically, what are the pitfalls that someone might face who let's just say in your example, they're a mental health professional. They're coming to you and they're comparing possibly working with you versus possibly working with a generalist. What are some of those pitfalls that a generalist who hasn't done as many projects that are specific to the kind of work you've done, what are some of those pitfalls that they they kind of face?
1: Sure. So I can speak pretty clearly on this question because I also consult through DigitalOcean, other creative agencies, and like how to actually run the business. And the major pitfalls as a customer when you hire a generalist are that that person is trying to be a jack of all trades. So their service offering is not as clear cut or as value forward for you as it could be if you worked with someone who really understood your pains, your goals and all of that. So they build that into their solution. That's really the biggest thing. The second biggest thing is that you tend to spend, even if you spend a little bit less because they're not a specialist, you're actually getting less bang for your buck, in my opinion, because you will end up spending a little bit less on your bill, but the quality of what's delivered is subpar compared to what it could have been to such a degree that had you spent more, you probably would have made more and offset that cost.
0: Yeah, and I can't tell you, and I'm sure you've had this experience too, the number of times where, you see those websites and I'm like, what, who, who did this? And you know, I scroll and sometimes they've got the attribution down in the footer and you can tell that there's some nice graphics and maybe there's some nice functionality, but message wise, once you get kind of past those surface level things, message wise, visuals wise, they're going for very cliche things and they just don't even understand necessarily what's cliche because they don't look at these websites all day every day like you and I do where it's like okay I know like the top 10 stock photos I'm not going to use are gavels scales of justice you know like these things that are the first thing that a generalist is going to think of because they're like well when I think attorney I think gavel <laughs> you know and so and they don't they haven't kind of swum in that soup long enough to know okay no that's a no because that's so cliché and i'm sure there's it's the same for you
1: yeah, it definitely is. I imagine the closest comparison I could draw is that, you know, if it's a DIY website or someone hired a friend of the family, it's pictures of people depressed with their hands their head <laughs> and their head. Oh. <laughs> I know,
0: exactly. I've seen those stock photos. Yeah.
1: <laughs> What are we selling here? Are we selling like working on your life and each day getting like to a better lifestyle and a healthier lifestyle or are we selling sadness? And I often, you know, it's also not a drug commercial where you're frolicking through the, the you know, <laughs> daisies, whatever, <laughs> da- yeah, the prairie is the word i was searching <laughs> yeah. for. But so, you know, you, you strike a healthy balance and that's kind of, you're obviously when we're working with clients, what we're really trying to do because it's so specialized to the therapy market, I think is Usually when someone is looking for a therapist, they've experienced a crisis moment, not all that dissimilar to attorneys probably. And so they just immediately search for what is the solution to my problem? And they're judging you and your business based on what they see. And if it doesn't resonate, they're gone. So the the real name of the game is working with a professional, like I said, who specializes in your industry, who can nail that for you and also tell your story and describe your areas of law that you practice so that they know, ah, I'm in the right spot. They look credible. I think it's worth it for my time to pick up the phone and make a connection. Yeah.
0: And it's such a, there's such a fine balance between those things that you've described, where are we selling sadness? The equivalent for some attorneys is like, I've seen a lot of criminal defense attorneys who have like police tape and like bars, like the jail bars and stuff. And it's like, nobody who just went through that that's not what they want to see. It's not what they want to think about. They want to think about how you're going to solve that problem and how you don't think of them in in those ways. And same for therapists. They don't want to be thinking about how sad they are or how frustrated or whatever that negative feeling is. But at the same time, you don't want to go full on. I like that description of the drug commercials, like skipping through the prairie with the the flowers and like. I know exactly what you mean. It's like oversaturated and and then you've got the voiceover with all the disclaimers on the commercial, <laughs> you know? It's like so bad. But the stock photos are are also so bad that they are not trustworthy. And so you have to walk that line in being trustworthy and finding images and v- visuals and messages. And that's, that's not easy to do. That's where, you know, that's where we come in. So let's talk about, so obviously we need the website. So let's bring it back to growth. So we've obviously figured out, we need to work with someone who understands this industry and has done this a few times at least. Like you don't wanna just hire your nephew because they need a few hundred bucks, <laughs> you know? Okay, so we've got the person. Now, how do you set up your systems for, for planning for growth?
1: Sure. So just to kind of put a finer cap on the previous thing, it seems like you could save money, you could hire the nephew or whatever. But the bottom line is I've worked with people over a large period of time, people who have seven figure plus practices, and they all say the same thing. When I ask them a question, I like to ask my clients questions to like stay in tune with them. One of my favorites is if you could go back to when you first started your business and give yourself advice on how to grow it better, what would you tell yourself? And they would tell me but one of the things i hear all the time is i wish i had met a professional designer sooner and made my practice website what it was supposed to be because that was a game changer for us when we actually took the step to do it so then how do you start to measure this stuff well classics are going to be like you have google analytics and you use yoast seo and you use all those things and those are all great tools but in my experience at the end of the day owners are really interested in okay well i paid you this much What did you bring me? So having some sort of system set up with your professional where you can reliably get a report or have some sort of tracking that's a little bit more simple than you like learning all of Google Analytics and spending time with your professional, like trying to talk to about how do I create this report? That's really not something that you would probably do with your accountant, right? So... I use like accounting as a good analogy often because it's another profession that requires a lot of experience to do well, but ultimately they're handling something for you that you don't want to be doing all day, every day. There's some involvement, but it's not it's not you doing your books anymore. It's kind of the same with your website.
0: Yeah. Oh gosh, and it's tax season and I'm like feeling that in a big way because it's like, oh, if there is one area that just turns my stomach, that's it. And it's like, you know, finding the right person to manage and control and make sure that it's maintained similar to your website and your marketing is key. And so you don't have to sit and babysit it, number one. And you don't and you also have confidence and faith that it's that it's going to be done and it's going to move you towards that whatever that goal is. So okay, so how do you then create so we kind of start started through the like starting phase, and then we talked about kind of numbers and metrics and kind of getting those basic reports in line, whatever that means for your firm, because it's obviously different for different firms. Like, are you looking for more phone calls? Are you looking for more mentions in the media? Or are you looking for just more clients, more money? So measuring that, because there is a, usually a gap between the numbers that are coming on the website and knowing how many of those convert to actual sales and that's where your reporting comes in right how do you recommend people keep track of that gap just spreadsheets or their intake person or, or how, what do your clients typically do in order to keep track of that
1: yeah, generally the best method is an intake person because there's no guarantee. Like if you're doing organic SEO or paid advertising or pick your pick your marketing tactic, there's no way to truly know that that person didn't search for you, but then found you again another way and then pick up the phone. Or if you're, in a, if you're not tracking your phone calls through some service or something, then really just the best method is the low fidelity one of when your phone rings, have your person ask, how'd you hear about us? and then write that down somewhere. And even that's not super reliable, you know, like people will be like, oh, I Googled you, but like, was it a paid ad or was it organic? So, like, They're not gonna have that whole conversation, but just, you know, it is part of Tell your marketing. Tell me exactly what
0: you typed and what time of day was it? And you know, like, yeah, you're exactly. not gonna get that, that nerdy about it. But there is a point where you start to recognize patterns and that's, that's what I suggest to people too. like, just notice where if there's a certain s- source that continues to feed more and r- more referrals, well, okay, let's dig into that. How can we do more of that? Is it, you know, a certain blog post? Is it a certain ad or is it a, you know, a placement on a certain website or something that you did where everybody keeps mentioning that? Or maybe, you know, people don't talk about this enough. Maybe it's a traditional marketing thing where you went to a certain event or you spoke at a certain place and you know it was like in person not online kind of marketing but you know make sure you're paying attention to wherever you're seeing those patterns
1: yeah and the first thing people are going to do when they're vetting you is search for your site or search for your firm so it always comes back to that and making sure that that's locked down but yeah i have a client who is a law firm and they're a little bit bigger and one of the things that i realized in working with them is that needs change as a firm grows so you can, for instance, really be trying to hunt down work and get the bills paid and everything as you're starting the firm. But then as you start to hire on more associates and different things and, and, and bring on partners, then it changes into more brand recognition and name recognition. And then it turns into like at the higher levels, even media appearances and stuff like that. So, you know, a digital marketer can really help you make a lot of that stuff happen. We just need to know what are your objectives and goals for this year. So if you're doing traction and EOS or whatever, setting your goals for the year, that should be something that you share with your marketer where you're going, oh, okay, well, you know, one of our big, big things is we want to build authority. So how can you get us posted on some industry related blogs or get us like on a show or media buy, whatever that is and have that conversation?
0: And I think that's super important because, yes, we are marketing experts, but from one firm to the next. I mean, I've worked with firms who do appellate law in D.C. and their target clients are other law firms and they really are picky about who they work with and the last thing they want to do is Google Ads. And the last thing they want to do is have to manage the phone of regular lay people calling them that are absolutely not their clientele. And so something like media appearances and things you've described is absolutely not the right plan for them. But we've we worked with firms on the other end of that spectrum too so as much as we are the marketing people you need to explain and lay lay it out where's your firm at what what do you need what are you looking for where are your goals and lay that out before you have those meetings with your marketing people yeah
1: yeah for sure having having those goals outlined makes it a lot easier even just on the website design and development front to know what are the main messages like what are we what are we trying to convey here on the site so you know that having those goals outlined kind of makes everything else flow in the right direction so you feel like you're swimming downstream not upstream
0: exactly yeah and then once you start it's, it's like everything else. You, know, you build that right foundation, you start with that strategy and that plan, and then as you go forward and you're making decisions about which social media to do, what kind of, you know, whatever those marketing pieces are, you can kind of go back and say, okay, does this fit? And how does this fit? And what should we say about this? And you've already kind of defined that in a rough way so it makes everything easier. Like you said, some kind of floating downstream. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I like, I like that phrase because it makes people like, oh, like they check in with, yeah, I, that is more difficult for me to do. Like accounting. We talked about that. I hate accounting. I'm a business major. I hate accounting. It's like the worst thing in the world that was ever invented, but it's necessary. So I hire a professional and then I hired a CPA and they cross check each other. And I take a look at balance sheets and P&Ls and that's about the extent that I'm involved. Right,
0: Exactly. And honestly, I feel like those people are just alien creatures. I, I don't relate to them on very many levels, but I appreciate them so much. Like, let's just, yeah. let me I'm not sure they're real
1: either, yeah. but no offense, Paul, if you're out there <laughs> listening. I love yeah. you. You do great work.
0: Paul, you're the best. I appreciate you too. Okay. So let's talk about, you, you touched on organic SEO a little bit. Let's talk about that. And how, let's start with how is it, what is organic SEO how is that different and then what does that have to do with your growth system
1: yeah so organic SEO is really a foundational component to websites and website marketing in my opinion so let me kind of just explain why that is to law firm owners and people interested in marketing law firms basically when you create a site organic SEO is a phrase that refers to creating content on your site and indicating to Google that that content exists through something like a sitemap. But generally speaking, it's just creating content and posting it to your site. So why is that important? Well, number one, it's a long-term strategy. When you create content and you post it, it often takes roughly 30 to 60 days for Google to really pick it up and for it to settle in the rankings wherever it's gonna settle. For instance, if you say, we practice tort law in Maine, then you create a page on that thing, You do all of the things the SEO specialist knows they need to do, which is a variety of factors that for sake of brevity, I'm not gonna get into. No, it's a huge long list,
0: if they're doing it right, yeah.
1: Right, they do that on that page and they post that content and it starts to rank. Once it ranks, every time you get a click on that and an interested party is looking at your site, you don't pay for that click. Unlike pay-per-click marketing or advertising or whatever, you've already invested the money. It already ranks, so it starts to pay itself off. So the idea is that you make more and more of those pages. It's foundational and a first step in my opinion, because if you choose to do paid marketing later, you can run those ads directly to those organic pages, which are hyper relevant for that specific term. So if you wanna run an ad on tort law, you run it to your tort law page, you get something that Google calls a high quality score. Quality score is the term. And essentially what that will do for you is they will rank your ad higher than your competition and charge you less because your ad is more relevant for that thing. And they're interested in users being very satisfied when they click on ads that they get what they want. Yeah, that's how that works. So you just you you basically you, you benefit from the organic search results, but then you also benefit from leveraging other advertising systems too. That's why I feel like it's foundational.
0: Yeah, and the organic results. Even if you're talking about like you were you in your example, you're talking about the same page where you do some pay per click on the same page as where you started with some organic it resonates differently with the people who click on those things. So it is it is good to start with that organic and kind of build that traffic. But how many times have you had that question about, okay, well, how long is this gonna take?
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, Well, so here's my answer to that. If I'm talking with a client and they go, how long is it going to take? Or can you promise me that you'll rank number one? I'll say, I don't know. And no. And if anybody tells you otherwise run for the hills because they're not a professional, I don't own Google. I'd like to, but I don't. So I can't make it do anything, but I'm very good at what I do. And that's what I remind clients. Like I am very good at what I do. I've been doing it for a very long time. I wouldn't be selling you this if I wasn't confident that I could get it to work, but I cannot promise you that it works. And you will pay me for my time. right
0: yeah. and i can't tell you how long it's going to take i can tell you based on my experience what has happened for other clients but they're in other markets they have different practice areas they have different amounts of content there are things happening with their competition that i don't know and understand necessarily like i can see what they're kind of doing but i don't know how much they're spending all that stuff so there's so many factors that to try to make any kind of a promise is really it's kind of it's
1: disingenuous it's not possible it's just not possible yeah there's a lot of snake oil in seo work the people that do it honestly will give you answers like that i can't make that promise i don't have guarantee but you could have a guarantee i guess as an agency but like you know the bottom line is like when i explain it well when i talk to other agencies i say that you shouldn't have a guarantee but when i explain it to clients i explain it like this look i i need a minimum of like three to six months to be able to do what I do, because when I start to post those pages and see how Google reacts, I may need to course correct. There are also a lot of different strategies and tactics that I can employ on those pages that it's not that, that can make it successful. It is not a commodity, Ni- neither is website design. So that's really important, I think, if you're listening to consider that like, it's not all the same and you do get what you pay for. So on the website side and on the SEO side, it's you're really paying for a professional who I often say like if if web design is a book this thick and I'll I'll motion like about an inch SEO is this thick and I'll motion two inches like it is just so much more that goes into that and like I said you get what you pay for
0: well and I was just going to back up and go into that idea of course correcting for a moment because people who have listened have heard me say this over and over and over if you are not what you call course correcting, but what I don't, I can't stand it when people call this mistakes or failures or anything, even slightly negative, because for me, it's data and it's research and it's it's figuring out what's working. And this is the process. And it's not negative. It's not that I did something wrong. It's not that, we were spending your money the wrong way or you know any any way that someone might look at that and think oh my gosh wait what's this course correction thing you're talking about it's that okay we've got more data now so now we know which direction to really focus on and that's marketing like that's that's what it comes down to is taking all that information and then continually refining and adjusting and making it better. And so when you talk about that three to six months, is that typically on an existing website? Because when I am talking to people who are starting from scratch, like they're starting a brand new firm, that's a different number for me because if they have nothing out there, and they're, especially if they're in a competitive marketplace and you know, in geographic area, that time frame is gonna be different if they are starting at zero, don't you think?
1: Yes, I would largely agree with that. And without getting too far into the weeds and like high minded SEO stuff, since this isn't a podcast for SEO specialists, I would say that there is something called domain authority that as a website owner, you should know about that. That term refers to how important search engines find your site. They find it more important the more links you get from other high domain authority websites and it makes it easier for everything else to rank. It also changes with seniority. So if your site has been around longer, then you'll probably have higher DA. Okay, so I agree with what Karin's saying because if you're a brand new website, Google doesn't recognize you, you're new to the show and you have no links, so anybody can just fire up a blog. A good way to think about it is like, if it's really, really easy to do, it's probably not worth much in SEO. Because if it's easy to fake, easy to replicate, then it doesn't mean anything anyway. So that's a good way to think about it, I guess, as a website owner.
0: And if you're going up against a firm that's been there and working on it and been consistent with their marketing and their organic SEO for the last 10 years, it really doesn't seem right on any level that you should be able to come in and just you know, bump them off of their ranking that they've worked to establish for the last 10 years. So you know, it should be that hard and more complicated and take time.
1: That's true. And in terms of like, so generally speaking, like general SEO strategy that might be helpful for people listening now is if you're in a situation where you have a competition or a competitor and you want to outrank them, but they've been around for a long time and their website is just killing it on, you know, your area of practice and your city or whatever, the way around that and to talk to your SEO specialist about this is something any specialist should be comfortable with. Is to do like to go after what are called more long tail keyword phrases so you make pages that are far more specific than just your area of practice and your location because of course that search the most but it's also the most competitive so you kind of play this guerrilla warfare game of instead of going toe-to-toe with them on that you make like pages around topics around that area of practice and your area, and then you can rank easily on there or more easily there and capture, even though there are fewer searches, you get a bunch of those pages going, you get as much searches as what's happening in the center. So that's that's a way exactly, around
0: that. and that's it's really a smart way because you're finding these kind of little holes in the opportunities where, yes, you're still talking about truck accidents in Chicago, but you're not your page doesn't just say truck accidents in Chicago because there are firms that have been spending like we were saying decades ranking for this and thousands of dollars in pay per click. So instead, you're going to talk about a certain type of truck in a certain zip code. That's a subsection of Chicago, and you're going to talk about maybe even a certain type of accident or injury or, you know, certain types of results, case results that you have worked on or or something like that, and, and really, like, narrow it down and get much finer tune, and that way you start to appear and that starts to show results instead of trying to go head to head with just truck accidents in Chicago.
1: Sure, yeah, and if I might also try to give like an example to help it be more clear because I know this stuff can be fuzzy and murky, let's say we're taking workplace accidents. So workplace accidents is short tail, workplace accidents. It's about as short as you can get in a search phrase to mean the thing. But you could say, lawyer for chemical, accidents in the workplace, lawyer for phys- you know, fall damage in the workplace, something like that, where you're kind of expanding on the reasons why they would be searching for that thing. And now suddenly it's not quite as competitive because you're branching away from the main term and getting into all these spaces where people were searching for that too. But it's easier to get to rank in that space until you can work your way back to the core of what you'd really, really like to own.
0: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. So it is time for the book review. So what is, I know you've got a book that you talk about quite a bit. What, what is it and why, why are you such a fan?
1: Yeah. So this has probably come across most people's radar, but I really like the book, The Why by Simon Sinek. I really also like his talk. If you haven't caught that, I definitely recommend you scope it out, but it's my favorite because I'm kind of like, an analytical thinker and a, like i see trends and things and one of the things that really resonated with me when i saw that material was everything's in line like if you have your why correctly figured out why are you in business why are you serving these people why are you doing what you're doing all the other decisions start to flow in the same direction again like swimming downstream if you feel like you don't quite get it or you don't understand what that purpose is, that's where you get a lot of cognitive dissonance and you don't really kind of have things feeling like they're vibing with each other and dovetailing into the next thing. So that's why I feel like it's so important. I know that It's kind of a throwback to another book, but like traction does talk about in the EOS system, having like a team get together where you just kind of scrum out a bunch of ideas and then you start eliminating them until you land on one and that's your why essentially and then move from there. I'm a big fan of those activities because it just makes the rest of your life easier once you figure out, you know, what's happening underneath. You can build on that.
0: Yeah. I, you know, going back to the idea of strategy and foundation and building those things correct and even branding we didn't get into that obviously but for the same reason that you were talking about you know when you talk to your clients that you've you know worked with for years and years and what do they wish they could tell their younger self all of these things are foundational and doing it right the first time saves you so much process and thought and time but it also saves you all this agony of like going down the wrong road because you didn't have it quite well, well enough defined. So I just, I am such a fan of any of these things that are gonna kind of set the stage, clearly define it, and then kind of make things easier for your future self.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's your true north. You know, once you figure that out, it helps you avoid taking that one case that seems like it's an all right opportunity, but isn't quite aligned. And suddenly you're in the end of it. And you're just like, I cannot wait for this to be over. This is so not what I want to be doing. Your why helps you steer away from things like that and steer towards the cases or the clients that would be a much better fit.
0: Yeah. And the last thing I'll add to that, too, is just Like defining those good fits, knowing when a client is a good fit or not is so important because I can't tell you the number of times like I've talked to colleagues and other agency owners and one of the hardest things people do early on in business is make a decision not to go forward, like either either firing a client or saying no to a, a project or a client. And it's painful because all they're picturing at the time is the money. You know, it's like, oh, I could use the money, whatever. But once you do it the wrong way and you say yes to the wrong client, you realize, okay, it, it, it's not worth it. <laughs> it's so not worth it. And so having those definitions in place ahead of time where you can kind of put it in the box and know and not question yourself, that also just saves you some kind of angst <laughs> from having all that that painful kind of decision anxiety around it so um yeah.
1: i sleep better at night for sure yeah and honestly once you get busy too a <laughs> little guilty admission here but uh it feels really good to fire a really crappy client it feels so good like i do not need this i don't need you either play by our rules or find another provider. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm busy. So people, people value my services. That's a really good spot to be in. I talk with a lot of agencies regularly and people who are starting just don't have the liberty of that. But yeah, it's really great. But I mean, you know, too, again, if you're working with a professional in your industry and everything, those types of situations are far less likely to happen. In my experience, over a decade of being in this line of work, they happen far more frequently when you're just misaligned with who you're doing business with anyway. And that's more likely to happen if it's not a professional who focuses on your industry.
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's perfect. It comes full circle. Now we like started with that. Now here we are. Okay, so let's do one big takeaway because I feel like that was that was perfect. Bring it all back around.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one big takeaway from this conversation, I feel like the biggest thing, I mean, you know, if you're listening and you're like, "Ah, but he's a marketer. Yeah, that's true. I I hate to toot my own horn here, but like, you got to get your website right, man. Like, I know that's what I do, but you got to get it right. That's what all my clients say, like when they're talking about how to grow their business and stuff. The best way I can put it without you feeling like I'm biased on this issue is When you are searching for professional services, are you judging those professionals by what you're looking at? Because if you are, your clients are doing that to you too. You gotta get it right. If you get it right, then you start the conversation off right, you have the authority built, they trust you more, then you really can start off on the right foot. If you don't get it right, they might just be clicking back on their browser and going to the next guy.
0: Yeah, 100%. And then you get all those red flags, and you get the wrong clients, you get the wrong alignment, you have the wrong, you know, everything just feels wrong. And I 100% agree. It really does come back to the website where that's your first impression, and if it's not done really dialed in and done well, that's where you're going to feel it the most. I I mean obviously we we see it all day every day and I can I can look at a, and I'm sure you can too look at a website and within 10 seconds know okay here's the top 5 things they're doing wrong and this is why Yeah I
1: could look at a website and go they did it themselves <laughs> yikes
0: yeah, I know sorry about that <laughs> yeah that sucks <laughs> awesome all right well aaron carpenter is the founder of legendary lion creative agency and this was a really great conversation i feel like it gave a lot of foundational ideas about websites and growth but then how to kind of tie in some organic seo with that but keeping it real with you know making sure that you get your message and and your foundation in place and then We'll tie in the book that you recommended, The Why, and we'll obviously link to that on the notes of the the show notes and the page and all that stuff so that people can find that. But thank you so much for this conversation, and thanks for your time and being here. Yeah, totally. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CouncilCast podcast. Be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate it if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.